I'm just gonna start recording, cause it's fun. I did a thing! We're gonna be better people by the end of this. The thing that I did! Sarah! I did a thing! Talk about it! Welcome to I Did a Thing, a podcast about unremarkable people doing remarkable things. I'm Sarah. And I'm Birdie. And this week, this is a surprise for you, Birdie. Oh. But I thought, you know, it's we're a few months into 2018. Uh-oh. I thought maybe this might be a good time to do just a quick check-in on how those 2018 goals are going. Oh. Okay. So. I think I remember most of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just looking at them this morning, but they are not in this particular notebook. But I know most of them. Well, how's it going? Um, I had a couple goals, right? I had uh, some personal like life goals as well as athletic goals and uh, weight goals. So um, the first one is that I... Made it to goal weight and have so far stayed there. Right on. Uh, yeah, so that was my one of my first goals was to at least get to the actual weight, but also just to maintain that. Right. Um, and honestly, the, the first week after I – I mean, I've talked about this before, but the first week after I, I attained goal weight at Weight Watchers – I blew it all to hell and gained five pounds and, like, went way over. And so then I had to uh, reel it in a little bit since then. And I've lost, like, seven pounds since then. So I'm below my goal weight right now, which is great because it's more where I want to be. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about one of my goals and the thing I did. And then... One of the other goals was handstanding, so I've been. I'm going to go to class on Wednesday again. Yeah, I'm getting much better at that. And then performing a show, whole showcase and do all the do all the moves that I've been wanting to do. So I feel like some of the the ones that I've accomplished, I've accomplished some of them already, and they're ongoing. Any and uh, yeah, they're ongoing. So I'll keep doing them. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for asking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. Uh, how about I'm, you? I'm still working on um, most of my goals. Um, part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up is that I realized that one of the things that I had listed that I had wanted to do is not going to work out. Oh, what did so, you want to do? Well, I had planned to try and run the fl- the half marathon at the Flying Pig this spring. Yeah. It, it's in May. Um, and two things happened. First of all, I realized um, it's the weekend before my brother's graduation. And so odds are I'll actually be driving to Kansas uh, that day. Um, but the other thing <laughs> is that I didn't sign up right away and now um the cost of uh signing up is outside of my budget yeah Uh, it's like over a hundred dollars now which i have paid that much for uh a special race before um 
But right now, I don't have $100 to spend Just on to running a half marathon. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. So, so um, I looked around uh, um, to see what other races were available. Um, and because Flying Pig is such a big thing here in Cincinnati, there's not really any other half marathons in the spring that are actually in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I, what I found instead was um, this trail running series um, that is, it started, actually, this last week it was the first one, so I missed that one, but mm-hmm. um, there's one each month um, from March until the last one's in October, so I decided I'm going to try and do as many of those as I can, um, and I have, I've only done one trail race um, before, um, but I feel like I'm, I'm also excited about it because, um, I've kind of mentioned on the podcast before that, um, especially when I first started running, it was right after I had spent all that time on crutches. And so I was really afraid of falling down. And so for a long time, like I couldn't like just the idea of running on a dirt trail. Right. That's my big concern was like super scary to me um so like i said i did one when i was still living in south carolina um and it was it was scary especially at the beginning but i kind of got over it and and it turned out to be a a good thing Uh, but so i'm excited about the idea of doing a bunch of trail runs this summer so yeah, the whole running and like tripping over a root or rolling my ankle on a rock or something like that yeah. scares me. Yeah, um you you definitely go slower on a trail run than um than you do on the street. But I mean, uh it's it's e- easier than you would think to um to trip over something just like running on the sidewalk too. That's so. true. You yeah. know, I've I've tripped over my own feet, like like stubbing the front <laughs> of your toe on the ground and tripping, just as many times as I've tripped over something actually in my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I I'm I still have a ways to go um towards reaching my goal weight. Um, but at this point, I've lost. Um, I I well, I mentioned I've lost ten pounds since December. Yeah. Uh, when I started with Weight Watchers, and overall, I've lost like in the last year, I've lost about thirty-five pounds. I think it is. It's amazing. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't fully realize until recently is, um, I have one of those fancy scales that does like your body fat percentage and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure entirely exactly uh how accurate that actually is, but I figure even if the actual number isn't right, like being able to see the difference should yes. be. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good yeah. point. Um, so, and like I went back and looked and, and it is, um, it seems like from day to day pretty consistent. Um, but I um, lost about, uh, or my body fat percentage went down 10 points. Whoa. Yeah. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a lot that's a lot yeah I that's was a lot yeah I was surprised when I saw how much it had changed wow 
That's amazing. Um, that's amazing, and, Sarah. <laughs> and I also on those on the, along that same lines, um, non uh, scale victories. Mm-hmm. Um, I just in the last week found in the closet um, two pairs of pants that I hadn't been able to wear in the past. Yeah, because um, they were too small, and one of them fits perfectly now, and the other one, a pair of jeans. I tried them on um, the other day, and they fit, um, and I'm pretty sure they would stay up, uh, but I did discover that I could take them off without unbuttoning <laughs> You know, that's one of the biggest, like, oh, woe was me problems about this, is that yeah. almost none of my clothes fit me very well, and they're all super baggy and big, and, like, my bras don't fit, and my workout pants don't fit me. They're all bunchy everywhere. Yeah. Like, it's a good problem to have but also not to buy a bunch of new crap I don't want yeah and I especially um like I have clothes at that I should fit me when I get down to my goal weight from when I was um I was thinner a few years ago mm-hmm. um but I don't I got rid of all of the clothes like mainly between the size I am now and that size because when I was thinner I was like I don't ever want to wear these clothes again I'm right. gonna give them away right <laughs> which is a good well, idea in theory yeah but so I especially don't want to buy clothes that are like the si- that uh, that size again because mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> um but so Luckily, right now, I almost, because I wear um, leggings to, or like workout right. type pants to work that are stretchy, I, I think that I should be able to make what I have now work for quite a while. Good. It's only like occasionally on the weekends when I want to put on a pair of jeans. <laughs> yeah. That they get a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, should we move along to the things that we did this week? Yeah, let's talk about the things we did. The thing, thing I did. did. The thing I did. Um, so both of my things that I did this week are on my goals list, actually. So awesome. good timing, Sarah. <laughs> uh, the first thing is one of my goals for pole dancing is to do an aerial invert, which means that you climb up the pole and then you have to flip yourself upside down without pushing off of the ground to do that. Mm-hmm. You just like it's abs and arms and willpower to do that. Uh, and it's not pretty, but I did it. So it's certainly not the right form. And uh I have a weird look on my face, like like I'm getting punched in the stomach. But <laughs> <laughs> I uh, make myself go upside down uh, doing an aerial invert. So I'm really excited about that. That's so awesome. I've oh, been, my gosh. Yeah. I've been working on it for like a year. So to get to this point is pretty amazing. I'm really excited about it. Um, so is, is yeah. that one of the skills that you have to... Uh, be able to do in order to progress to the next level? It is. So I need to do it pretty. Uh, right. So I have some work to do yet. But yes, I need to be able to do that in order to go into the next level. Uh, right purely for safety reasons. And also technically 
like technical reasons, you need you need that particular move to do half of the moves that are in mm-hmm. the next level. But if you can't do that, you're not strong enough to do a lot of the other things. Like you don't right. have the right muscles. So uh, even if you could wiggle your way into something else, you you'll fall because you're not strong enough to do it. Um, but this class, I think most of us are going to get it by the end, and that's just really exciting. Yeah. 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 We're all really proud of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot faster than that you're progressing through two than you did through one, right? No, I've been doing it for two years. So I spent a year in one, level one, and then this is actually slightly more than a year in level oh, really? two. Yeah. For some or this, reason, I... this is my the final session of the year of level two. For some reason, I thought that it was more recent that you moved up to level two. Well, when we first started the podcast, I was in level one, and then I moved into level two pretty close to the beginning, I think. Uh-huh. So that's probably what happened. Well, congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Uh, the second thing I did this week, uh, which was on my goals list, was I went on a date with a person, <laughs> like a, rom- a potentially romantic person. So that's the maybe first date that I've been on in, uh, I don't know, 15 years or so. So uh, it was good. It was very fun. We went for dinner, you know. <laughs> but, it I mean, it was super uh, mentally weird for me because, yeah. like, I'm in a whole new space post-divorce and uh, – I I don't know exactly what I'm ready for or emotionally ready for, whatever, but uh, it was fun to go and hang out with a new person and learn about them. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it, especially with first dates, I mean, that's, that's half of what it is. It right. should be anyways. It's just like meeting somebody. And like I, when I've been dating in the past, like I usually try to go into the first date with the attitude of like, well, you know, Hopefully, I'll at least meet somebody who's nice, even if right. it's not a love connection. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I said this is my first date. That's not exactly true. So I went on some dates earlier that I thought were dates, but they the other person didn't realize they were oh, dates. No. It was fine. We're friends. It's cool. But um, it's not really the first date that I've been on. So the first date the other person knew that we were on a date. <laughs> but that's a big step that you yeah. obviously you you like made a an official date. Yes. Yes. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. How about you Sarah? What did you do? Um well, so I have been keeping up my with my running. Last week I ran um 5 miles. It was <laughs> I decided um, that I was going to, I tend to run kind of along the same route in my neighborhood, and I decided I wanted to try a different route, Um, and there's a big steep hill um, just a couple blocks from my house, Um, and the way, the street that goes up the hill, the street that I actually live on goes up the hill, um, but that way of getting to the top, there's it's very like hairpin turns and 
there's no sidewalk, and so it's definitely not a safe place to walk or run. Yeah. Uh, but there's another street a few blocks away that goes up the same hill, um, and it also turns, so it ends up crossing um, the street that I live on. Um, and having driven that way, I should have known because I've learned this lesson the hard way multiple oh dear. times. But <laughs> having driven that way... From the car, it seemed like a gentle slope. (laughs) (laughs) And I also misremembered and thought that there was a sidewalk that went all the way up to the top of the hill. Mm. So I embarked on this route (laughs) and got a a good ways, probably about halfway up the hill, and realized, uh, as I've discovered more than once before, that how steep the hill seems in your car has nothing to do with <laughs> how steep the hill is when you're trying to run up it. Um, so it was quite a bit steeper than I was expecting. And then, yeah, the sidewalk stops about halfway up, too. What? Um, and Urban Planner did that crap. <laughs> well, I think it was an Urban Planner who thought no one will ever want to walk <laughs> up this hill. <laughs> um. And it's also, like, um, because it is on a hill, like, uh, that area hasn't been very developed until recently. There's actually, like, a brand new housing development that's up there. Um, so, I don't know if maybe eventually there will they will extend the sidewalk or something. But in any case, um, the and then there's also, it's not as, as hairpin turns as the, the other route, but... There's a fair number of turns, and so um, I I went ahead and got went to the top, and then uh, did the rest of my run, and then of course ran home um, in the same direction. But I probably won't try to run up the hill uh, again because it didn't seem like it was really the safest place to be running. Yeah, that's right. Um, that was that was good. It was uh, it was like. In the low 40s, but it was actually snowing. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. Which, I knew it was cold, but I didn't really... I didn't realize it was snowing until I went out. But um, I was I was wearing a jacket and a long sleeve uh, running shirt. So, I, I was dressed appropriately, and that was okay. That's um, good. And once I got to the top of the hill, it was, it was, it was a good run. Um... Just because of all the walking and movement that I do at work, like running right now is, is I'm being surprised by how easy it feels, which is a good, good feeling. Yeah, Um, that's good. Yeah, like for quite a while after I had stopped running regularly, like that was part of what kept me from getting back into it was just like feeling like, oh, it's going to be painful and it's gonna suck and I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. Well, so, yeah. That, Especially when you've done it well before. Like, yeah. To go back and do it and not feel good about it, it sucks yeah. extra. It's yeah. It's always so hard to restart because yeah, like you're saying, you know, you know how you just are always comparing yourself to what you have been able to do in the past. Right. Um, and then. I I failed again on getting to the gym to lift weights. Um, it I I don't know. I I gotta keep thinking on that 
on and try to find a way to make it work. Sounds like um, you don't want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's not. I mean, I guess I do want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm obviously struggling to actually do it. Right. Figuring out why you don't want to do it is probably the first step. Because I mean, I if, what's happening is that I I just I I'm feeling tired and I don't. Uh, when the time comes, like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> sure. But even for a run, right? Yeah. Um, I guess part of the reason why I've been doing my runs is that um, I made a commitment in a Facebook group that I belong to to run at least one mile um, three times a week. Okay. Um, so I have, I guess, more, even more accountability on that. Um, so I don't know. I guess maybe... I need to do that with lifting weights. I'm. I don't know. I'm no. I'm no uh, therapist or anything. But <laughs> in my experience, that's been the problem: is that I prioritize other things above the thing I don't really want to yeah. do, and then there's lots of reasons I don't do it. Uh, I'm figuring out what those are. Not the not the f- like physical barriers, like oh, I got home from work late or whatever. Like right. the mental barriers and the emotional barriers to that. You, you were right, Birdie. <laughs> you were right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the problem with that is then you have to think about all the terrible hurricane that's in your brain of I guess, emotion. I guess I do have to admit that one of the things that has been stopping me from doing it at times when I could do it is that I do still have that like awkwardness uncomfortable feeling about going to the gym and lifting weights when uh, when it's crowded or when I know there's gonna be a lot of other people there because mm-hmm. um, I just yeah. I feel dumb <laughs> I, I totally feel dumb I totally agree with you that's um, why I like a class yeah so yeah well yeah, either that or I just need to, like, say screw it and power through. and Because yeah. um, I know if I started doing it regularly, I'd get over it. But I just, I, like I said, I feel dumb. And I also, like, really don't want to be approached by weightlifter dudes at the gym who <laughs> want to tell me. Who want to help you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we... Oh, I forgot to say at the beginning who we're talking to this week. We do have a guest. Yes. Should we call our fabulous guest? Yes, let's call Angela. We're calling our our new friend, Angela. Um, She is an awesome trans lady who is going to talk to us about um, running and how that kind of fit in with her transition. Yeah, transformational process. Let's talk to her. Hello there, long distance. Please don't make me wait in vain. I'm Angela Quinton, and about three years ago, I went from not doing anything fitness or nutrition-related and being miserable 
to taking advice from people around me uh, as to what might work. Uh, and in those three years, I've radically transformed my life in some, uh, some pretty positive ways. Uh, so I'm awesome. here to talk about that. That's awesome. Radical transformation. I like that. Like a, That's almost like a mindset. I like that. Yes, absolutely. So what was that advice that, that changed you from a, a couch potato to... And a completely different person. Yeah, how do I well, how do uh, I follow that advice? It was it was a little bit of peer pressure. Um, I I had sort of been struggling with um, identity issues for a long time. I'm I'm a, a trans woman, uh, and this started before uh, I had actually begun to transition. Although I'd known for a long time that the, the tr- physical transition was something that I was going to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, this all happened before that. Uh, I had wanted to try and reconcile how I felt about my body um, before trying any kind of medical or, or uh, you know, ke- you know, chemical or, or, or surgical interventions. And so I tried okay. calorie counting and a, a big focus for me was trying to, to lose some unwanted weight um, so that I could feel more comfortable in my body. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know how to go about that. Despite being a person who uses the internet for a living, I just didn't <laughs> know how to put together a Google search that would give me results that seemed like they, they were things that I could do. Yeah, um, right. So I tried counting calories and that didn't work. And I tried a little bit of exercise but because it was unstructured. It mostly uh, uh, amounted to me going from never having run to trying to run as hard as I could and getting shin splints immediately Oof. and then quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a friend of mine at a, a at the place where I worked at the time was aware that I was kind of working on on uh, Im- improving my eating habits and uh, getting in shape, and he could see me failing uh, and being kind of upset about it. And he took me aside at one point and said, uh, he- "Here's what I did, uh, or what I was made to do when I was a soccer player." He comes from a, a background playing soccer in uh, in Europe. He said mm-hmm. that uh, when we all came back from uh, the off season, we'd all gained extra weight, and our coaches put us on a no carb diet for the first two weeks. No sugar mm-hmm. at all. No no fruit. You know, you're allowed to have, yeah. uh, you know, a, a little bit of sugar uh, or carbohydrates in the form of like green or white vegetables, and that's it. And then after those two weeks, your addiction to sugar should be, uh, you know, hopefully broken, and then you can slowly start to re reintroduce uh, certain things into your diet again um, but you'll you'll start losing weight really fast and that's Mm-mm. you know that was you know an elevator pitch that seemed radical enough to me that it was worth trying on the spot and of course then I did some research and realized I was talking about the ketogenic diet and there's actually mm-hmm. like a, a, a better and more methodical way to do this and, and test it but uh, I, I started trying it because nothing else that I had been doing for the last couple of years really seemed to be working and that was, you know, that was, uh, the results were incredible. Um, within a month, I was starting to see, um, you know, movement on the scale that I hadn't been able to see before. I felt better. I slept better. There were all sorts of, of things that were happening that I could only attribute to, uh, you know, cutting down on all the grains and breads and things that I'd been eating. So that, that was the start of it. Mm. That sort of, you know, shot in the arm advice from, from somebody who, was doing it because his coach had told him to do it, uh, not necessarily right. because he needed to do it. But it it, uh, it worked for me, and I got more methodical about it, and I've kind of stuck with it ever since. So do you still I, follow the ketogenic diet? 
I do. I've gotten pretty lazy with it. Um, I have a lot of days where I will go over my um, my net carb restriction, uh, okay. in part because I'm I'm married to a lady who's an incredible baker. And I'll wake Ooh. up in the morning and there will be like two <laughs> so loaves tough. of amazing banana bread uh, on the kitchen counter, and like I'm I'm gonna have that. Yeah. Uh, and the other uh, the other challenge that I'd run into um, with maintaining a strict ketogenic diet. Uh, has to do with me getting into uh, distance running uh, and trying right, to keep up yeah. the uh, the energy demands that you get when you're trying to run, uh, you know, a full marathon or any other sort of long distance running where you're you're going to burn all the sugar that your body has really fast and you know that energy needs to come from somewhere. So, I've over the last year I've tried to strike a a, a reasonable balance, mm -hmm. and for the most part that that's worked. Um, you know, I still don't eat bread. I don't eat rice. Um, or beans or a lot of the things that are really uh, high in, in carbs obviously no like candy bars and stuff like that but I'll, you know if, if we have a night out and we're having a fancy dinner then you know I'll, I'll, I'll have some pasta and I'll, then I'll try to you know run it off the next day try to burn off uh, you know the, the, the things that I've eaten and use that energy in a productive way rather than just letting it sit sure right, yeah yeah I um, I know with running at least some people uh, who try and follow the, the ketogenic diet, uh, they take the approach that any of the carbs that they eat while they're running don't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty, that's the way to do it, I think, and preserve your sanity. Otherwise, you're stuck in this schism of, you know, knowing that there is a thing there that can help you um, and that you can't have it because of, uh, you know, a, a habit that you've developed that has given you results you wanted in the past. Yeah. So, um, how did, <laughs> I'm interested in how losing that weight, um, and getting, uh, in better shape, uh, kind of impacted then your, how you went into your transition. Hmm, yeah. It helped me eliminate, um, the possibility that the discomfort that I was feeling with myself on a day-to-day -day basis was mm. coming from somewhere that was fixable without transitioning, um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I wanted to... So you kind of eliminated all of the other possibilities and got down to what you knew it probably was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in, in part, I also pursued it because uh, I had known from... Uh, a little bit of exercise experience that I'd had years before this uh, when I was dealing with um, depression that you know physical exercise and getting those happy brain chemicals really made a big difference in, in my mood so I mm. knew that that would be good for me and if I tackled exercise uh, and, and fitness and just generally taking care of myself more responsibly with a view to trying to pay attention to how it affected my feelings of, of dysphoria and, uh, and, and mm -hmm. discomfort with myself aside from just like my sheer physicality and like the shape of my mm -hmm. body that it would be a, it would be a, a, a productive kind of experiment uh, to see what would happen and uh, the the results that I came to was a much better relationship with my body um, yeah but it didn't reduce the kind of constant background buzzing feeling uh, that I had of like some, something's wrong and you can't quite figure out what it is um, right. Uh, so you know you got you got to figure it out and you know burning 2,000 calories on an insane run and and not eating 
uh, granola isn't fixing it. So let's let's see what else there is to try. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I can. <laughs> I I definitely relate to how exercise to a, a certain extent, I mean, uh, can help heal a little bit of that relationship with your body. Like, even if you aren't losing weight, just doing something physical um, and something that feels positive with mm -hmm. your body can kind of help uh, with some of the negative feelings that you might have about your body. I mean, obviously, it's not going to fix the problem if if or you know the challenge if the challenge is that you're trans mm -hmm. but it you know it, i can see definitely how some of the emotional aspects of that just doing something good and friendly and positive with your body yeah it is a is an excellent step <laughs> yes um i remember when i had embarked on uh, my first really regimented uh, training plan for i think it was for a half marathon at the time uh, I would go for a run before work each day. Um, I work in, in downtown Vancouver, and I have very easy access to uh, this this big park on the ocean called Stanley Park, and it's exactly mm. eight miles around the outside of the park, um, surrounded by ocean the whole way. So that's where I ran then, and I still run there now. Uh, and the first time that I went all the way around the park and that finished that eight-mile run, I remember standing in the, uh, the shower that they have uh, in the gym in the office building where I work, and looking down at my body and feeling gratitude for the first time wow. ever i think about like what my body and i had just been able to do was you know to run this eight yeah. miles without without having to stop and without feeling like i was going to die uh and that that for me anyway in that moment really helped me feel like i could have a relationship with my physical self that wasn't rooted in an adversarial feeling of like okay well th this is what i was assigned so you know, uh, I, I have to, to, to come to terms with it and deal with it. I realized that there were some things that I could do um, with my body that, that were, you know, going to be positive and, uh, and help me feel more in harmony with myself. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally relate to that because I, I feel like I kind of went through a similar process with running and um, trying to lose weight and you know, having felt for having been overweight my entire adult life up to that point and feeling negative feelings about my body because I didn't like the way that it looked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely, when I started running, started to feel, you know, I mean, I did lose weight in the process too, but I, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the first time that you were, you know, you finished a run or you finished some kind of physical exercise and you realize like, wow, I'm this, this is working, um, not just from, mm -hmm. a, you know, uh, achieving your goal of, of weight loss, but of becoming something that was maintainable for you and, and like super positive for your, your mental and emotional well-being? Well, definitely the first time I ever ran a mile without stopping like yeah. that was that was the first time I thought oh like wow I like I, I maybe I can run <laughs> um maybe this is something I could do and um because I had tried kind of like you were saying um I had tried multiple times to be be a runner because that you know I would see people running and think 
that looks cool. That's, you know, that's something a fit, healthy person does. And that's something I'd like to do. Um, it, but I would try and I would go out way too fast and get, you know, two blocks down the street and be dead and <laughs> think, yeah. oh, well, it's just, you know, I just, it's just something I can't do. Um, but then when somebody gave me the advice to slow down and I finished that first mile, I was, you know, it, it definitely changed my whole relationship with running. Um, and then, then shortly after that, I trained for my first half marathon and just, you know, being able to go a little bit farther every week, um, and kind of impress myself with, with how much I could do definitely had a positive in impact on how I felt about my body. Yeah. That's such a good feeling to look back at, at your, your running records. If you keep track of them and see where you were, you know, a year ago or two years, years ago versus, you know, what you're capable of doing now and you know, right. realize that if you just chip away at it, a, you know, a bit at a time, you can really make some pretty amazing uh, changes or progress. Yeah. I'm being quiet because I'm having a lot of feelings about this. Like it's just really <laughs> I'm resonating and I'm, it's very moving and like going from this feeling of shame of your body and various bits and parts of it to appreciation of how powerful you can be is, mm. is something that people strive for their whole lives and don't, don't get to. Yeah. And, and, you put it into words so beautifully. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, it's it's not something that I had ever really even thought about. Um, it didn't occur to me that that there was a, a schism in a relationship there that 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 could be healed. Uh, let alone that it would be something that would just seem to happen to me uh, naturally through the process of just you know opening a Google Calendar and and copying <laughs> over a bunch of distances that I'm supposed to hit on my four or five runs a week and. And then just sticking with it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, reaching some milestones and then realizing this seemed impossible even even two months ago, you know, to, yeah. to, to run this distance or, you know, and some of the other things that, that I've gotten into, into, you know, lifting that weight. And yeah. I've just done it. And, you know, the, the consciousness that decided to do it was only responsible for the decision to start and almost all the rest of the effort comes from this body that I have for so long felt like was wrong in some right. indefinable way. And instead, like we're getting along and we're doing some pretty cool <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was uh, interested in hearing from you a little bit about is um, when you first contacted me about being on the podcast, you mentioned um, the, the differences, um, that you noticed once you started taking hormones in, um, your muscle mass and your ability, uh, to, to build muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think, <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting, uh, because, you know, you are in a position that, that not a lot of women get to be in to see, that, what uh, effect the hormones actually have on your body nice. in such a uh, stark way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to, uh, to have all this, what I've been referring to as uh, bonus muscle from having lived, you know, most of my life 
with all mm-hmm. this free-floating testosterone uh, and then just start taking you know a, a pill that effectively eliminates almost all of it um, the uh, it's only been four months that I've been taking um, a spironolactone which wow. is the uh, the testosterone suppressant uh, in conjunction with uh, an estrogen patch and uh, I think it's the spironolactone that really um, causes most of the uh, the immediate effects in terms of, of muscle loss mm-hmm. and uh, I have especially in the last month or so really noticed it uh, I think even in between when I first uh, messaged you about maybe being on the podcast uh, and today um, there's been some pretty big uh, changes that I've noticed uh, mostly having to do with uh, endurance um, I have been planning to run my third marathon this year in May and I was in the middle of training for it and I decided uh, I think two or three weeks ago now that I just this year I'm not gonna run uh, I'm not gonna run that marathon uh, I can't uh, I can't put in the uh, the time um, to do those training runs and I think that it would be uh, unfair to myself to also expect uh, to you know go out there and run an 18 or a 20 or a 22 mile training run every other Sunday when I'm you know kind of in the middle of losing a lot of the muscle that I'm relying on to push me through those those last uh, you know those last 30 minutes or 45 minutes of, of a hard run um, right. I have definitely noticed a reduction in my speed which is fine because I'm, I'm not a sprinter and I, I never you know that the speed aspect of it has never been something I'm, I'm interested in um, but um, yeah, it, ma- it makes me feel a little sad to know that I've, I'm, you know, having to sort of recalibrate what my expectations of myself are. But I'm coming from the, the position of a total amateur when it comes to sports and, and fitness. I, I still don't really know what I'm capable of. And right. I know that um, it's going to take between uh, 6 and 24 months to really kind of, you know, get to the end point of losing whatever sort of bonus muscle uh, I had. Uh, I worked really hard over the last summer to try and put on a lot of muscles to sort of like have that in the bank, so to speak, because I knew that I would be, uh, you know, losing quite a bit of it um, uh, once I started uh, HRT. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to crushing all my old um, male uh, distance and time records um, as a woman once uh, you know, I can get back into <laughs> yeah. training properly. So is that something, I mean, from, from what you've learned about HRT and what your, your doctors told you, is that something that is, I mean, I, is (laughs) a temporary thing? I mean, I, I, I understand always your testosterone is going to be lower than, uh, when you're not taking the hormones, Mm -hmm. um, but it's it is i think it is a permanent thing i think that my my sort of describing it to myself and to like my you know other friends who are into running and stuff is is a bonus muscle uh sort of helps me frame it in a way that that is healthy and lets me kind of laugh at it because it it is a permanent thing unless i decide to stop taking um spironolactone or or, and or just get off of hormone replacement therapy entirely that extra muscle mass that I have just from, you know, having, you know, a, a, a male, uh, you know, endocrine system and all the rest of it, that just goes away. 
uh, and and it doesn't come back. Um, hmm. And I'm okay with that because uh, mm-hmm. the things that I'm getting in return um, are like well worth it. Like it's not even right. a question for me. Um, and I mean, I you know I just, the Winter Olympics just ended, but yeah. uh, I'm super into the Summer Olympics because I love watching especially all the uh, all, all the track and field events. Mm-hmm. And like I'm there's never a chance in a million years that I would ever you know consider myself an athlete close to that scale but like there are women out there who are just crushing it um you know and if they can uh you know develop that level of athleticism without the you know sort of added bonus of uh you know testosterone in their system that is helping them put on muscle or or you know burn burn um their energy more effectively then you know there's no reason why I can't do that as well Right. Or right. any any other yeah. woman. Right, yeah. Can I ask you a weird question? Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> your your voice is very soothing. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And it's melodic and beautiful. And uh, does that is, does that reflect like your mental state? Like, are you a chill? peaceful person and is that new or has it always been that way like i just am calmed by your presence <laughs> well, thank you um, <laughs> i'm not a chill or pers- uh, peaceful person i very much want to be um mm. i think it is becoming easier for me to get there um the more i pursue uh you know transition and the more i work on my my mental health uh in, in other places as well um I'm a very anxious person, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to to, to get things done or to have achievements or, or accomplishments. And I'm trying to to learn that it's okay to relax. Mm-hmm. I mean, just putting uh, uh, putting the time back on the calendar that would have previously been taken up by all these training runs for uh, the marathon in May means I've got mm-hmm. all this extra time to do whatever I want with, and that's kind of scary yeah. to me. So. Um, no, I'm not a very relaxed person, but I'm working on it, um, and I think it's easier because, um, like I said, because I'm I'm focusing on trying to take care of of myself um, mm. in a lot of ways that I wasn't really letting myself pay attention to previously. Uh, yeah, I wonder I if that will this, come with this time. I I think that it will. Um, I have a lot of support and encouragement um, from the people in my life, my wife especially, who um, I think would be very happy if uh, if I chilled out more. Um, and she's, uh, she's a great help to me, uh, in that regard. And it's, I think that it's impossible. I don't want to speak for, for all trans people. Um, but I think that it is very difficult anyway to pursue something like this, uh, you know, transition, uh, and start to feel and see some of the effects and not relax at least a little bit, um, uh, a lot of the science behind this is still sort of um, it's new there's not a lot of super long-term studies that have been done on uh, on trans people and the the long-term effects of of hormone replacement therapy uh, but I think in the short term I've at least read some uh, a few studies that say even before the uh, chemical changes start to happen within the first week or two of, of uh, embarking on, on home hormone replacement therapy, there's a marked uh, improvement in, in mood and uh, in yeah. 
uh, emotional response and I definitely did feel much more in control of, of myself and uh, felt more uh, uh, equipped to be kind to myself um, almost immediately after after uh, you know starting and I tried not to just chalk that up to um, you know like not obviously not the placebo effect because the medication is doing something but it was right. too early for it to really be affecting me in any way but uh, I, I still felt that um, uh, you know being more relaxed and, and being more calm uh, and that's been great and I hope I really do hope that that continues I remember when I first started taking depression meds and I had that same effect. Like I knew that the chemicals weren't in my bloodstream in the most powerful way yet, but I felt like I was taking control over something and uh, hope that it was going to be better. And yes. that alone was helpful. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to that. I, I, I have experience with, with antidepressants as well, and I'm not taking any currently, but uh, I... Before I started on, on HRT, I was hoping that the effects would be kind of the same uh, as when I uh, took Welbutrin, which was mm -hmm. to feel as though I had been living my entire life with a pair of dirty sunglasses on, and now they mm. had been removed. And I was suddenly seeing what life was actually like, um, and the sense of of wonder and amazement was uh, enhanced very much by the, the delight in feeling like I had some autonomy over that you know my body and, and my mood and, and how i interacted with the world um it's it's awesome um you know i'm i uh, yeah. i'm very excited and, and grateful that i get to sort of experience a second version of that with uh with this uh, but yeah very i very much relate to what you say about uh, you know d depression medication well may i recommend you record yourself re doing something <laughs> reading a book and then just listen to it to calm down because uh -huh. Thank you. I, I've, yeah, I, I have a, um, a, a ritual that, that uh, my wife and I will do. She, she's an artist, uh, and we uh, have this thing that we'd like to do where I will read out loud to her while she draws, and it's one of the uh. most relaxing things ever. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to get, get us back into that. Things have been kind of so too busy romantic. lately to, to do that. But, <laughs> well, it is, yeah, but then I'm, you know, she, she's drawing, like, monsters and... and like, <laughs> You know, scary stuff, and I, you know, I'm I'm trying to read her like a Lawrence Sanders like crime novel or something. So there's some <laughs> some gnarly stuff there, but yeah, there is. It's a lovely thing uh, for us to do together. Mm. Well, how did you choose running, and and what brought you that avenue versus other things? Uh, I dabbled with running a little bit uh, at. Uh, a previous job where a friend of mine or a co-worker of mine and friend uh, there we were both really unhappy working there uh, and we started something that we referred to as a run club uh, and we tried to make it look really obnoxious so nobody else there would, would join and then we would just go and, <laughs> and run on our lunch breaks and, and complain about work um, and that turned out to be a, a great sort of therapy uh, session for both of us because then we both moved on to, to jobs that made us much more happy um, but I discovered that I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed how I felt running and th I, this run club wa was happening at a time when I wasn't, uh, doing anything, uh, properly in terms of nutrition. So it wasn't really getting me the kind of like weight loss results that I was searching for at that time. But mm -hmm. when, uh, I started following the, uh, the ketogenic diet and realizing, well, I, you know, I have this extra energy now, uh, and I do want to work out um, because that is a big component of, of uh, you know trying to get uh, 
more fit, uh, why don't I pursue running again? Because I'd done it before, I still had the shoes, and it's something that did not require much in the way of equipment or a gym membership, and right. uh, except for the pretty constant rain that falls during the, the mm-hmm. uh, fall uh, and winter uh, here in Vancouver, the climate is, is very well suited to it. So um, I went up for my first 5K uh, and completely destroyed my knees because I didn't understand oh. that you have to stretch before you do something like that. Oh, dear. Uh, to the point where uh, I went to a physiotherapist the next day, and when he found out what I did, he laughed at me and literally <laughs> called me called me an idiot uh, in a, a joking way and said, here's, right. here's what a foam roller is. Go and buy one right now and, and use it. And within wow. a couple of days uh, of using a foam roller, I was, I was back, to, back to being able to walk, uh, you know, downstairs again without wanting to cry. Uh, and pretty shortly after that, signed up for my first uh, 10K um, and started training for that. And it just grew from there. You know, I completed a 10K, which seemed like an insurmountable uh, distance, uh, and then signed up for a half marathon and then when i finished that i thought well you know the next natural thing is is to do the full marathon and you know there's six months ahead of me of of training which is kind of the the gap between finishing the half and when the full was scheduled and i just uh you know threw my threw myself into it and you know i I was i think i was an addict by the time that i had finished the the 10k so um you know it's just sort of a a requirement for me now to feel happy um that i run at least a little bit every week the, um, the difficult uh, part of any training um, or distance running that I've seen for me is, is cross training or doing anything that isn't mm-hmm. running. Um, Runners I are bad at really, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like weightlifting. Uh, I was lucky to have uh, a friend who is a personal trainer who was able to take me into a gym and show me some of the basics so that I knew how to, to you know, to do a few things without hurting myself or, you know, overextending or you know, causing any real damage. And then I immediately after that purchased just like a Walmart level, you know, weight set for the garage. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where, you know, I will force myself to go when I know that it's leg day or it's, you know, it's time to work on my core because I'm a computer person. So I have a core that's the consistency of of tofu. And (laughs) um, that's a great description. (laughs) Especially on those really long, long runs, uh, I know that um, I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't know what the biomechanics behind it are, but I know that it really does affect my core. So that if I if I'm not yeah. paying attention to uh, you know t- to weightlifting and, and doing all of those things to at least a minimum level, that I'm going to pay for it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I still find mm-hmm. it difficult to do. Yeah, I think I think uh, unless you are a weightlifter, I I feel like the vast majority of people. I find it uh, forcing themselves to do the weights is is definitely a challenge. Yeah, I mean the trade off for me is that it is quick and convenient because it is something that you know I'm I'm lucky that we have a townhouse that we have a garage where there is space for that, mm-hmm. so right. I can you know I don't have an excuse to not do it, and I know that I'll feel really good after I'm done. So you know even if I'm, it's a lazy Sunday and I absolutely not do not want to go down there and and do you know, whatever it is that's on the schedule for that day, I know, okay, just do it. And 45 minutes from now, you'll, you'll be done and you'll feel amazing. You'll, your Apple watch won't be yelling at you anymore about not, you know, having exercised <laughs> and you can relax. So, you know, it's, it's 
not my favorite. I'm certainly not addicted to it like I am to, to running, but um, it, it's something that I recognize I can't uh, I can't ignore because I will you know it does have negative consequences for me if I do. Yeah, I think that's with a person who's committed to a particular activity, everything then revolves around like, okay, I'm lifting these weights so that I can be better at running or I'm eating this food so that I can maintain this running thing that I want to do. It's very common yes. with like all cross training and other things if you love something enough. Yeah, I think so. And I, I as a consequence of that, uh, I can't, I'm kind of in limbo now because I've, I've just, you know, decided I'm not going to run this, uh, you know, this full marathon in May, which based on my personality type was, a you know, an agonizing decision to make because yeah, I'm committed to hard. doing it. And it feels like I'm betraying myself somehow by not doing it. But it's, it's such a good idea to not do it this year for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But now I don't have anything in the, you know, near to middle uh, you know, distance in terms of, of races to train for. And if I don't have something in specific to train for, I just get really sloppy and I don't, I don't do it. And then I start to feel grouchy because I'm not exercising and it's just, it's just bad. So I need to, I need to start looking at, at races or, or something else that I can get into over the summer, um, before I start training. Cause I, I am intending to keep doing, uh, uh, one particular half marathon, that happens at the university out here every year in November um, that I just love. So I will be training for that, but it's a bit early for that right now. And yeah. I have to find something to keep me going or, um, you know, it's going to affect me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I was in, when I was in school, my friends and I used to talk about how we had to have the fear uh, to motivate <laughs> us to, to study um yep. you know and like during during finals we'd like get the fear like oh i i've got the fear i'm like really gonna have a hard study session yes. <laughs> this this weekend or whatever um and when i started running i found that the fear also <laughs> applies to running like if i have a race on the calendar that i have the fear of how terrible that race is gonna be if i don't trade for it um, and that motivates all, all of my running during the, you know, the lead up to that race. Yes. But if I don't have anything scheduled, then there's no fear. <laughs> it's much harder to motivate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I I find running very therapeutic. I'm, I'm a computer worker, like I said, so it's the opposite of sitting at a, you know, at a keyboard and a screen for eight or nine hours a day, you know, being out there and, and just running and using your body in, in that way. But I don't love it enough that uh, I would be doing it at the levels that I really know I should be if I didn't have that. If yeah, the fear is perfect. If I didn't have the don't have the fear that I'm gonna you know lose all my gusto in the middle of a race that I've been you know heavily invested in, then I I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing it. So uh, you know I need yeah I got I have to find something. I, I wish I was uh, a, a stronger person mentally um, to not require that, but. I gotta accept my limitations, you know. I gotta. <laughs> there has to be it's something. Motivation, for me to work limitation. You, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm gonna spin it that way. Thank you. Another, one of the things that's come up a couple of times lately on the podcast um, is that um, we've noticed both Bertie and I and um, some of the guests that we talked to recently um, how um, being more athletic and being around. Um, other athletic fit people has impacted our ideal body image. Mm-hmm. 
And I was wondering if, if that is something that you've noticed for yourself, that if being around um, other women runners has um, had any impact that you've noticed um, on your like ideal of how, how you would like your body to look. That's a very good question. I haven't, I haven't really thought about that very much. Um, I tend to, to not try to compare myself to other people or to say, you know, here are these other people who are doing what I'm doing. So my goal is to, you know, kind of look like them as closely as possible. I think maybe in part because um, when I realized I love running and uh, I'm going to transition, I started looking for other trans uh, people who were into running, and I looked into some really mm-hmm. good Facebook groups um, uh, where trans people, both trans men and trans women and, and, and non-binary people, talk about these sorts of things, these challenges and, and the, the mm-hmm. results of, of hormone replacement therapy and um, so on. And I think maybe one of the, the benefits of that is helping me maybe unconsciously recognize that um, there people can look however they want and still be in a, you know an amazing runner you know it's not about yeah, right. looking a particular way in order to achieve a particular goal obviously if you want to like set crazy international records or run 30 marathons in 30 days or, or, or whatever and you train to that level then you're I think you're going to inherently wind up with a certain kind of of body or level of fitness um but i don't think that um i don't think that i'm putting any kind of pressure on myself to 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 look a certain way and i certainly um Mm -hmm. would never try to you know i would never look at anybody when i'm out there on the seawall you know running around uh you know before work and seeing all the all the other runners out there uh and think oh well i bet you they are capable of of this or that because they they look a certain way um Mm. But yeah, I, th- that's a good question. I have to think a little bit more about how that, that might be um, a- affecting my perception of myself and other people. But um, yeah. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I guess for me, because I since we started talking, it's come up a couple of times now, I, I kind of started um, thinking about it for myself lately more. And um, I realized like, there was a certain point, like probably in my mid twenties, where I was working on losing weight, um, and because it was a change for me, I kind of felt like, um, and also because I was in my mid twenties, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt like I don't know. I remember feeling like I don't know what my body is supposed to look like, mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I started looking around, and I knew. I knew I wasn't ever going to look like a supermodel. Um, and I also knew that wasn't really how I wanted to look like. Um, so I started looking around at, you know, like women I would see at the gym and, you know, knew were in really good shape. And like, I had like a spinning instructor I really liked. And she had these amazing, she was actually a triathlete and she had these amazing thighs that were just like so you could tell how strong she was just by looking at her thighs and so um like that that totally had an impact on 
how I wanted what I wanted to do with my body like seeing seeing being at the gym and and other places where I had the opportunity to see athletic women and see what their bodies look like as opposed to you know so many representations of women in the media that are not about that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um totally impacted what you know as I'm working on changing my body like what am I working towards right right I think maybe part of where I'm at with that um, is informed by me being aware for quite a long time that uh, I am trans and that I you know uh, wasn't happy with the um, you know the body that I was assigned at birth and then looking at depictions of women not just in you know portrayed in the media but in in fashion and fitness and all these other places as well and feeling a sense of longing um, because that's what I wanted to be and not being able to differentiate for a long time that those depictions are often you know insanely difficult to uh, achieve um, or, or maintain and in the case of somebody who was born a man and then did not decide to transition until their you know their mid thirties, um, like certain certain things are just impossible. Like I, I have the uh, the shoulders uh, and you know for the most part the voice and the hands uh, and the face that I have, and there are certain things that can be done to to change that. Um, you know, certain surgeries to you know. A facial feminization surgery and, and, right. and things like that but you know the, much to my regret they can't make my feet smaller so I can't you know wear different <laughs> shoes than you know than will fit and I think coming to terms with that eventually uh, and realizing well I'm, I am going to externally become the woman that I know I am inside and that woman is going to look however she looks mm-hmm. um, was a good thing uh, for me to sort of get comfortable with because it helped me reduce the pressure that I was putting on myself to portray femininity in any particular way and it granted me the ability to just sort of evolve naturally obviously with a lot of uh, you know guidance and uh, and and help from you know women in in my life who I I trust and uh, and who care for me but uh, it's ultimately up to me to decide what I'm going to be happy with and, and what I can achieve. And I think maybe I'm applying that same perspective to my, uh, my you know, my fitness goals and, and the way that I uh, work towards uh, deciding what I, my goal for a race time is, is going to be or my goal for how much I, you know, I want to lift, uh, you know, two months from now is going to be. It's, it's not so much what other people are doing, but what do I think I'm capable of getting to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that that I love about running is that, I mean, for most runners, uh, it's not about trying to beat somebody else. It's trying to beat yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Bertie, do you have any more questions? No. I could talk to you forever, though. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very kind. I'm, I'm, I'm very self-conscious about my voice because it's something that I don't like it other than some potentially risky uh, uh, surgeries mm-hmm. or lots and lots and lots of, of, of you know, vocal uh, training and therapy, 
it's just not something that I'm ever likely to change. And that's, you know, definitely Good. not something that I'm, I'm interested in <laughs> investing a lot of time in. So this, this is the voice yeah. that I have. And it's, it's nice to hear that, uh, uh, that it's, it's soothing. It's wonderful. Have, uh, did you get any uh, changes in your voice from uh, the, the hormones or is it, uh, is it kind of too late for that? It's, it's too late for that. Um, I think I, I, I feel like any changes that there are in my voice come from an underlying change in my my mood. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. because I am I am happier and a little more mellow. I'm I'm less likely to be uh, gruff, grumbly. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I definitely have. I don't know if this is a result of the the hormones or not, but I find myself speaking more from uh, the sort of center of my chest and my throat rather than from from my diaphragm um which i think mm. you know the lower down in in my torso that i speak from uh, the, the deeper my voice becomes so mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that's that's a consequence of hormones I, I know that we are we are told uh you know trans women are told don't expect your voice to change through hormones because it's not it's yeah. it's not magic it's, as magical as it seems it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's not that level of magic Well, is there anything else you wanted to mention that we didn't we didn't cover? Uh, no. Um, it's been really wonderful talking to you both. I, I I'm so happy to have learned uh, about the show um, mm. from uh, you know d- discussing it uh, on online uh, on Facebook, and uh, it's so incredible to hear all these different interviews that the, that you do with people and um, hear the things that they're facing and that you're facing and all the wonderful progress everyone's making. And it's it's an honor to be uh to be a part of that so thank you oh gosh thanks Angela. yeah thank you for being on yeah thank you <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i think birdie and i feel the same way like at least for me that's one of the best things that has come out of the podcast even if nobody else listens right. to it like <laughs> birdie and i get to talk to like a different awesome person who's doing like amazing things every week and uh there's been so many people that you know when i put out a call looking for people to be on the podcast that are like well I'd be interested but I don't know if, if I do anything right interesting. I'm not that cool and then I ask them a couple questions and it's like they're like doing some <laughs> amazing thing on a weekly basis and it's like yeah. of course you're interested yeah. <laughs> uh, well thank you so much yeah. oh, thank you awesome uh, I hope I didn't make her super uncomfortable with my admiration for her, her in general, but also her voice. It was just so like <laughs> relaxing to me. And I think that's just what I needed. And so I wanted to let her know, but then sometimes, do you ever feel like that? Like when you compliment something about somebody, like a not their shoes or their earrings or whatever, but like something about them that it's it can feel awkward for everybody but it's still nice yeah i mean it (laughs) taking a compliment is is something that i think i I mean it's something that everyone has to work on Mm -hmm. um and i guess that kind of fits in with what i wanted to say about angela yeah because like to be transparent we actually recorded this conversation with angela a week ago um, and I've been thinking about it, like, basically ever since, like, 
I just thought she was so amazing. Right. And I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, I know I said this when we were talking about it, but I so related to what she was saying about, um, that great run that she had and, and the moment when she was in her, in the shower and like, she realized that run like changed how she felt about her body. Mm. Um, like I, like, (laughs) like I said, I, like, I totally related to that. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's how I felt, um, about running, especially when I, I very first started, um, and that feeling is part of what had, has made me, um, want to become a running coach is that I think that that's something that, um, a lot of people could use in their lives. And it's like something that I want to be able to (laughs) share with other people. Um, and like, while I was thinking about it this week, um, it made me, for some reason, it made me think about um, a couple years ago, I heard this interview uh, with Rob Lowe, um, and he was talking about um, his process of um, getting sober, um, and he was saying mm-hmm. how uh, in you know rehab and, and AA meetings and, and all kinds of different places and things that he was doing, uh, to work on being sober, he people are kept telling him that you know you do the things you do because you have low self esteem and you need to work on your self esteem. And he said that you know people would say that to him and he would just kind of nod his head and like, oh yeah, you're totally <laughs> right. But inside he was thinking like, I I don't know how to do that. Right. I don't know what that means. And then uh, he he said he finally realized that the way that you get good esteem is to treat yourself like you're someone who's deserving of esteem. Yes. And like, I feel like that's what, (laughs) that's what that, that's what the the running is doing. Right. (laughs) Is that it gives you, I mean, and it doesn't have to be running, but I think just that's one of the opportunities in, um, in fitness and doing, you know, doing your pole class or, or whatever it is, is it gives you an opportunity to ha- to do something that you are like confronted <laughs> with the fact mm-hmm. that you deserve esteem. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's really powerful. Yeah, and then I thought about back uh, to a bunch of the guests that we've had. Um, and I, and I feel like even though maybe they didn't say it, um, that that's what, you know, that's what they were talking about um, in terms of what happened mm-hmm. uh, for them. Like, you know, like, especially when I think about our conversation with Kayla and her talking about, like, how much she needed roller derby in her life. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, she didn't say she didn't say that, but I think that's what she was she was talking about is that she needed that like opportunity uh, to feel good about herself and and her body. Well, I think that's <laughs> been a really running theme in all of our guests, and so maybe that's just a theme with finding your thing and your yeah. your 
uh, path in life or your interests and in embracing that, like, you know, with stroller fit and finding other moms and other parents who are like you and can affirm that part of your life or, you know, finding a running group and finding roller derby and finding pole dancing or belly dancing or, you know, whatever that was, I feel like all of our guests have talked about moving from a shame to appreciation about your body and admiring how powerful it can be and finding esteem, self-esteem in that process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love our guests. They're so great. Um, And then the one other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, just because... Uh, I know um, that it's a, a little bit of a new thing, um, and since Angela's been kind of our second uh, trans uh, guest that we've had on, um, I just wanted to mention that uh, not too long ago, uh, there uh, was started a um, suicide um, hotline specifically for trans people mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's staffed by people who are trans themselves um, so I just wanted to in case you or anyone uh, that the listeners might know um, could use that kind of support help yeah um, it's called the trans lifeline yeah and the number in the US is eight seven seven five six. 8860. Um, but if you uh, just Google Trans Lifeline, you can also find it there. Um, and they also have a number for Canada. So awesome. Not, not to in any way imply that because you're trans, you therefore um, should be suicidal, but, uh, no, but it definitely is uh, a population that has a higher instance of depression and um, suicide. So Well, not just that, but finding a therapist, any, I mean, somebody to listen, but a therapist who understands that journey is really difficult. So having a number you can call and and ask and, and talk to somebody who gets it is going to be far more beneficial than talking. I know it's a suicide hotline, but um, even just that can be more beneficial than trying to call a a primary care doctor or asking your, even just your friends about things. Right. Yeah. Um, they do say on their website that their their main goal is to prevent self-harm, but um, that if you're just in crisis, they, they are also there for you. Um, and you don't have to specifically identify as trans um, if you just are having gender identity issues in, in, at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, then they are happy to talk to you. That's so fantastic. If, if that's something that you feel like you could use yeah definitely please reach out awesome on that note (laughs) (laughs) let's switch gears entirely and talk about our completely frivolous challenge zone yeah let's talk about the challenge zone (laughs) challenge zone challenge zone Bernie, I I had some some yeah troubles this week. Yeah. You know about it a little bit. Yeah, tell us so, about it. It started out good. 
Um, I decided um, I would go back to the same website that I got um, the lentils recipe that I had made the previous week. Um, I'd go back and check it out and see if I could find something else on there that looked good. Um, the website is called Budget Bites. Mm. Um, Bites is spelled with a Y instead of an I. Of course it is. Um, and yeah, all of the recipes on there, um, they break it down um, the the cost to make the whole recipe and then how much it should um, it costs per serving. Uh, so that oh, that's cool. That's super helpful if you're trying to cook on a budget, whether or not you're in the challenge zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I found a recipe. Uh, one of the suggestions on there was to make um, 15 bean soup. Which 15? Had, yeah. Good Lord. I hadn't, I guess I hadn't really heard of it before, but it's, um, it's a package of soup that you can get at the grocery store or, well, it's a package of beans that comes with a flavor pack, dried beans. Okay. So you don't um, have to so, buy 15 different kinds of beans. No. Individually. Okay. Good. Um, so, um, I thought, well, that sounds cheap and easy and like something I'd like to eat. So I went and um, at my grocery store, they actually had uh, the store brand and then like another, another brand. Um, and the store brand was 16 beans. They found an Ooh, extra one. <laughs> that's like extra fancy. Yeah. So um, I made that. Um, the one thing about it uh, is that because it's dried beans, you do have to like plan in advance because you have to soak the beans overnight. Uh, before you can even start cooking them, um, but they turned out really—it turned out really good. Um, and then the rest of what the recipe really was on the website was instead of using um, the flavor packet, um, they um, suggested putting your own spices. Which, especially once I saw the flavor packet, which looked like a package of salt, yeah, <laughs> I thought, yeah, putting some smoked pap- paprika in the soup probably will take a lot better than using this nasty yes. flavor pack. Um, but so then that way it was actually um, vegan. Um, and um, the the soup is intended to have uh, the like the, the manufacturer's recommendation is to include ham, but I decided not to do that mainly for budgetary reasons. Um, but I, um, I got mushrooms instead to give it a little bit of that meatiness. Yum. Um, so the the end of the bean soup story (laughs) is that then I ate it for dinner for a couple of nights this week. And then towards the end of the week, one night I was getting ready for work. And apparently I left the pot on the counter as Uh I was getting, um, left for work. So that wasn't a great start, but then uh, my dog Mal thought that it was an excellent start. Oh dear. Oh beans. <laughs> and he ate like half a pot of soup. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I came home and like I saw the pot on the counter and like that was a thing like because he's tall enough he can he, I'm sure, can put his front paws on the counter. He's smart enough, never done it in front of me. Right. But I'm sure that he can. And so he must have just, like, stuck his head in and ate it. So there was, like, no... <laughs> Sorry, that's a great picture of, like, <laughs> mental image. 
Like him with a little uh, chef's hat on and a wooden spoon yeah. stirring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, like, I guess the good thing about it was, like, there was no mess anywhere. It was just, like, the next morning I got up and I was making breakfast and I was like, oh, this pot is here and there's no soup in it. And it took me a minute to realize, like, that's because it's gone. <laughs> so your dog didn't even knock and it over. must have eaten it. <laughs> they didn't even knock it over so, or anything, right? Like, it's just, mm-mm. oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So. What? <laughs> so the last day of my work week, I ended up having to have fast food because um, I discovered that, like, in the morning, I didn't have time to do to make anything or sure. do anything about it. So, and then the other part of this week was that I did actually go over my budget, um, mainly because about time. <laughs> um, I bought um, coffee, um, and like instead of getting the instant oatmeal, I went ahead and bought. Um, a canister of oatmeal. Good, that to, stuff's way better. Make it myself, yeah. So I ended up going fifteen dollars over. I also, I also wanted to like was in the produce section and saw a delicious looking bag of oranges, so I bought those. And then they also had blueberries on sale, and I was like, that looks like it would be really good on my oatmeal in the morning. So I got I got the blueberries too. Wow, you rebel. <laughs> so I'm going to see if I can, since I bought the coffee and things that um, should last a couple of weeks, I'm going to see if I can stick to just $10 this week. We'll see how it goes. Okay. That's we'll see how it goes. I think you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm feeling good. I feel like... I don't know that I'm going to stick to $25, but I feel like this is a good habit that I need to stick with um, because it's it's making the rest of my budget less stressful <laughs> and it's also encouraging me to like sit down on the weekend and actually plan out what I'm going to I'm going to eat for the week and then make it ahead of time and not end up going to the grocery store four or five times during the week because I didn't make a plan and I don't have anything to eat. (laughs) Right. That's my experience because I work there. I get like 10 or $15 worth of stuff multiple times per day or per week. Yeah. Um, Which puts me at about $120 so far. So it's the 19th. I feel like I'm on track for what I thought it was going to be. Certainly not as frugal or fiscally responsible as you, Sarah, but, um, I'm within my, the goal I set for myself. Well, good job. Thank you. I don't have anything exciting to say about it though. <laughs> no dogs ate your, no dogs, your dinner. Well, a dog, the dog ate my popcorn. So that was my <laughs> snack for later. Ugh, They love popcorn. My dogs, I think it's just yeah. the best. I don't know. My dog loves everything. He also loves, <laughs> he loves coffee. That's cute. Your dog he, um, is like a person. <laughs> he, 
he he doesn't do this so much anymore but they're used when he was younger like if i because i usually buy the whole beans and grind it at home Mm -hmm. um if i there was a point where if i dropped coffee beans on the floor yeah he would come and eat them oh yeah i'm not surprised um but then he discovered the joy of coffee with milk so like (laughs) um, oh my gosh there's been there's been times where like he like if i've like not finished a, a cup of Starbucks and it's it's like in the living room. Like he's he's drank all of the Starbucks that's left in the cup. Can you buy him like a little bathrobe and <laughs> a newspaper? Because I just see him like wrapped up with slippers and a cup of coffee and a crossword puzzle. And I mean, I'm just anthropomorph- anthropomorphizing your dog. That's not how you say that word anthropomorphizing <laughs> there i said it anthropomorphizing your dog he he actually is kind of hard to buy dog clothes for yeah um because he's a bigger dog and he's also got a very broad chest so um i'm, really, I'm not too much of a dog per a dog person a dog clothes person um so when i first got him and he was like a little just out he was like 10 months old he was much he still was like puppy skinny Mm. And so he, I got him a raincoat because, oh my um, gosh, cute. We, because that, that was when we still lived in Portland. And of course, I would like walk him in the rain all the time. And so, like, mainly to try and eliminate the stinky wet dogness right. is why I got him the raincoat. Um, and it, it did, mm. it did work well. But then once he got full grown, then I couldn't ever find a, a raincoat that would fit him anymore. Aw, cute. Um, but Sarah? I don't know. Maybe a dog bathroom would fit him. It would be easier to fit. That would be <laughs> the cutest. Should we go to the thing we love? Yeah, the thing I love. thing I love. I love fruits. It's my sweet pleasure. I have a few things for the thing I love this week. Ooh. Okay. So, the first thing, because I promised I was going to do some uh, women athletes I love. Yes. uh, For the rest of the month. I have two women athletes I want to talk about. Okay. Um, The first one is Bobby Gibb. And she was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. Um, And that was in 1967. Um, What happened was she, at that time, the Boston Marathon was only for men. Um, Oh, wow. She she applied um, to to run and got a rejection letter from the organizers saying that women were physically incapable of running the marathon. Um, wow. And they, it was only for men. At that time, the only um, amateur athletic union sanctioned races, which is the, the organization that sanctions races, <laughs> um, th- that were available uh, to women were um, one and a half miles. That was the longest oh. um, any, any women's race was. Um, and it's so crazy because to think about, cause it really is not that long ago. Um, but at that time in the sixties, when there was modern medicine, right. um, 
people genuinely did believe that women were incapable of uh, running long distances. Um, and um, you know, it was like a commonly held belief that it, it was bad for uh, women's reproductive systems. And um, even like, I've talked to my mom about this and she like remembers hearing it when she was like, even in high school, um, that, you know, like crazy things could happen to you. Like supposedly your uterus could fall out of your body. <laughs> People are so stupid. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Give a break. It, I, yeah, I was thinking about it this week and thinking about what magical creatures um, white men used to think that they were. <laughs> <laughs> used to? apparently no one else was incapable of anything of cor- except for, of course, serving white men. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I, but, I don't think it's used to, though. I mean... <laughs> well, so, yeah... Depending on the topic area, maybe not our uterus is getting back to to Bobby and how she (laughs) proved these jokers wrong. Yeah, Um, they told her she couldn't run, and she said, "Screw that." At the time, she lived in California, so she took a Greyhound bus for three days from California to Boston, Um, and she (laughs) she didn't have proper running shoes. She at that time they didn't make proper running shoes. Uh, really for women so mm. she had to uh, buy a pair of boys uh, boys shoes that were the best mm. that she could get good and solution. she wore a pair of her brother's shorts and a hooded sweatshirt um, and she hid in the bushes near the starting line um, and then ran the the, the marathon um, she finished in a little over three hours, uh, which is an excellent time. I, um, she actually, I guess, in one story I read about it, was on pace to do um, around uh, under three hours, like around two, two and a half hours, I think it was. Um, but amazing. those shoes that didn't fit <laughs> um, started giving her terrible blisters. And yeah. she said at one point she thought she wasn't going to be able to finish, but because she knew... Um, you know, as she was running, people started realizing that she was there and that she was a woman. Um, so it very quickly turned into a big thing. Um, so she <laughs> wasn't going to give anybody the satisfaction of not finishing. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So that's awesome. And like I said, three hours is, is an excellent marathon time. Yeah. Um, so then the next year... Um, the, the other woman athlete I wanted to mention, um, Catherine Schweitzer, she <laughs> submitted an application to run the Boston Marathon, uh, but she just used her first initial K on her application. Um, and I saw a documentary about, about her, and she said that that was actually, she wasn't necessarily trying to get away with anything, that that's actually something she did like regularly, was that she just used her first initial. But so apparently... Um, the the organizers didn't realize that she was a woman. They just assumed that she was a man. And so she, they gave her, uh, they let her into the race and she had an official number, um, and officially started at the, at the starting line with her number. Um, there's a famous, uh, picture of her, um, running in a terrible gray, uh, sweatsuit, which is in the sixties, what 
was kind of available for running. It's it's also crazy to think about how much just clothing and shoes, right? The technology that goes into that these days. You watch old movies and they're all in these like sweatpants and sweatshirts. Yeah. And why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so she's running and um, one of the organizers actually physically grabbed her and tried to pull her off the course once Whoa. they realized that she was a woman running in the race with an How official dare number. You? Um, but uh, she she also finished the same year. Um, uh, Bobby Gibbs also uh, unofficially ran the race and she finished about an hour before um, Catherine Schweitzer. Um, but lots of times <laughs> people refer to Catherine Schweitzer as um, the first woman to run the Boston Marathon, um, even though that isn't technically accurate. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> they are both awesome women who helped open the door uh, to distance running for women. Um, today, um, Bobby Gibbs is um, a lawyer and also... An artist, she um, does sculpture, and she actually um, made custom-made um, special trophies for the first three uh, women, U.S. women, that ran the uh, marathon at the Olympics oh, cool. in 1984. Um, but yeah, so she she specializes, I guess, in uh, sculptures of women athletes, and um, Catherine Schweitzer has. Uh, organization um, that helps uh, to raise money for women and girls in sports. So they're continuing to do awesome things. So, yay them! Awesome! Yay them! (laughs) Um, And then along the same lines, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I am loving this week is I found a new podcast. Ooh! um, And it's called... It's called Goodnight Stories uh, for Rebel Girls. Oh, um, that's a book. Yeah, it's inspired by the book. Um, and so uh, they each week are coming out with an, uh, another episode of uh, a famous or prominent woman reading one of the stories from the book. Um, this last week, um, Diana Nyad, who I mentioned, yeah, you um, did. Tell, tells the story um, of a girl, a Syrian uh, refugee girl named Yasuri Mardini. I'm sorry, I'm probably definitely mispronouncing her name. Uh, but uh, she tells the story of how uh, Yasura, uh escaped from Syria, and part of that was um, swimming from from Turkey to um, Greece, basically. That's insane. Um, and with uh, three other people, uh, she helped pull the the boat uh, boat with about fifteen other refugees um, to safety in Greece. Wow! Wow! So, yeah, and then uh, Yusera went on and was um, swam in the Olympics. Um, in the in this last summer Olympics, they had a team uh, specifically of uh, refugees uh, that don't currently have a country, and so she was one of the members of that team and and swam in the Olympics. That's so cool. Um, so it's stories like that. It's super awesome. I will say um, that if you are listening with little kids. <laughs> 
the Usura story might be a little scary for little kids mm. um, because they do talk about um, bombings and um, people getting shot because uh, sure. that's it's what's happening in Syria yeah. right now and why people would want to leave there. <laughs> right. Um, but the other story that they have available so far is about uh, Margaret Hamilton, who is one of the computer scientists who worked for NASA um, mm. in the 60s. And it's just an awesome, inspiring story. Uh, definitely nothing scary for anyone of any age, <laughs> unless you're one of those white dudes who is who? not willing to give up your specialness. <laughs> right. Ah, cool. Well, those are great things. What about you, Birdie? Sarah, you did it. I mean, like every time this happens, you you say something meaningful and poignant, and then I say, I love lipstick or something. (laughs) Um, This week's thing I love is my dog because... That's meaningful and poignant. So this dog is a joy of my life. Not, I mean, maybe... Uh, kind of. Uh, he's an 80-pound poodle mix. He's a giant and a dopey sweetheart. And uh, I brought him to get his teeth cleaned today. And they called me and said, uh, he has four cracked teeth. And they are going to get infected. And it's probably why his breath smells so bad. And we need to take him out. And it's going to be $1,000. And... Ugh. I mean, this is why I have an emergency fund and, like, I, I am able to cover that without crying too much. But that's, like, money that's supposed to go to other more fun things, right? Yeah. Um, but I love him. And what else? The, the doctor was like, do you want me to go ahead and do it? And I said, well, what else are we going to do? Right. Leave cracked teeth in my dog's mouth forever? Uh, probably not, you know. Or pay to have him put under again and and go through all that process as well as this. So, yeah, just do it, whatever. Uh, but I love him, and you uh, better love me back. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm 100% sure that he loves you back. That's true. He that does. is the good thing about dogs. You never have to question whether they love you. So you true. That reminds me too. <laughs> I saw a thing recently online, um, an article. I think it was on um, I fucking love science, um, but anyways, <laughs> apparently um, they did um, MRI scans on elephants' brains. I don't know how you do that, but <laughs> somebody figured it out, okay. and they discovered that the way that elephants brains react when they look at humans is the same way that humans brains react when they see a puppy oh we're their little puppies we're so cute to elephants oh i love that they think that we're their pets (laughs) something like that i want to meet an elephant i want an elephant to think i'm a puppy that sounds great yeah so i yeah i it's it's I think I think people who love animals have always known this, but it's great that science is catching up with the idea that um 
animals have emotional lives too. Right. And yeah. And can think that humans are as cute as a puppy. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, so I'm just sitting with that right now and and focusing on the love instead of on the dollar amount. But there's there's feelings associated with the dogs anyway because of divorce reasons. So there's it's just multifaceted and I've been trying to sort it out emotionally for a couple hours, but um the underlying thing is I love my dog and dogs are like you said, unconditional. Um, he loves me no matter what I yell at him. He's, he's like, well, I'm sorry. Sorry, bird. <laughs> sorry. That's how he talks in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else there that you want to make sure we cover? I think we got it. Yeah. Well then, uh, you can find us on I did a thing uh, we're on Facebook at I Did a Thing Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at I Did a Thing Pod. Uh, if you have questions, comments, want to be a guest, say hi. Know somebody who would be a great guest. Uh, I Did a Thing Pod at gmail.com. And make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast application of choice. Uh, and go do a thing. Go do a thing. Go do a thing. You'll feel better. You will. You will. You'll feel better. (laughs) Go do it. Go do that thing. (laughs)